0: Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary.
1: We hit the Christmas season. Psychologists tell us that this is a season that is full of joy and holiday, but also brings some sorrow and sadness and stress. And so in this episode of The Scent Life, we want to talk about how do we care for those we sent? during the holiday season. Thanks for joining us. Hey, we welcome back into the Scent Life studio, Dr. Anna Dobb. Each week, Anna comes and shares with us stories. Really, this season has been more about the first women and, and the first of women through missions history. But today, you've got a more contemporary story.
2: I do. I'm going to talk about some stories that are currently happening in North Africa. Good.
1: Yes. Let's hear them.
2: Great. Um, thanks for having me today. I want to tell a story about a guy named Hussein. Okay. Now, recognize the names are changed right. because of security. Hussein was a devout Muslim uh, in North Africa, and he took his two brothers to an Islamic traditional school um, that, that had some, some significant issues, I think, sure. uh, yeah. with, with the way they treated the students. And unfortunately, both of his brothers actually died from beatings there. Wow. Um, and they called Hussein to come and remove uh, their their bodies, oh my goodness. and he didn't know that they uh, that they had died. Um, mm-hmm. and he kept quiet, and but he, but but at the same time, while he was kind of mulling this over, he really wondered whether Islam was the right religion. Mm-hmm. Um, Hussein Hussein was passing by one day and heard a man preaching in the market. Uh, the man was comparing Bible school uh, with traditional Islamic school and the impact on the community. Oh my. And uh, gave an example of a neighbor who'd lost the son from, the, from beatings um, in the school. Is that right? And he didn't know Hussein. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that Hussein had suffered from the same school. And uh, he, was, he was very touched. Hussein mm. was very touched. He didn't say anything, but he asked um, someone else, did they know who this person was? And uh, they, he was told that he was a Christian having a mm-hmm. church there. And so he went back and, again, kind of didn't say anything at sure. that moment. But on Sunday, he actually went to the church um, and he prayed with the the, the, the person, uh, the Christian, after the prayer. And he told his story. He said that from the day his brothers had died, he'd lost faith in Islam. Hmm. And then he heard this man preaching in the market and thought that he was talking about him. Wow. Hussein. Um, but then he realized that the, the man didn't actually know Hussein's story. And so he wasn't talking about him. Uh, so he came up and wanted I wanted him to tell him more about Christian belief. And uh, basically at that moment, he accepted Jesus as his personal savior. Um, Hussein actually told them in my my area, people respect me so much, and I have a a number of friends I would like to tell them about Jesus. Mm. And so he took a Bible and an MP3 player that actually had some biblical stories, um, I'm assuming in the language with him, and he went telling people about this new way. Mm. And after some time, he came back and he said, my brother, um, my eyes are open now and I could see our real problem is that we are lost because we don't have Christ in our lives. Wow. Um, he also said that he reached three areas um, in the area in the country. Um, and there he preached to three of his friends and all three of them accepted Christ. Praise uh, Lord. He went to another area and he preached to many people. And again, three people accepted mm. Christ. And then he went to another area and he preached to a family who gave their lives to Christ. Um, the couple has faced many persecutions mm-hmm. since they accepted Christ. Um, that is the story of how God can use just someone speaking on the corner about yeah. <laughs> about uh, the gospel and can use that to change not just one man's life, but, but multiple people in various areas around the country.
1: Yeah, that's the fascinating thing about uh, missions itself, right? You never know. You know, you someone becomes a Christian and we used to when I was on the mission field, we used to say one of the questions the missionaries asks is not how many people you can get into a church, but how many churches can we see out of one person because the relationships that we that we have. And so a man like Hussein becomes a Christian and then God uses his uh, influence, his courage uh, to see many people come to faith. And then those those chains of discipleship just continue to go and churches continue to spread. Yeah. What a great story. Yes. Thanks a ton.
2: Remember to pray for the Christians in North Africa. That's right. They really do face significant persecution. That's right. Thanks. Thanks.
1: Hey, Keelan, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Scott. Uh, it's not exactly Christmas, but some people tell me that after Thanksgiving, it's okay to tell people Merry Christmas because they kind of think that it is. No,
0: I think so. I'm all for the day after Thanksgiving, we
1: go big. So you're an early Christmas guy.
0: Well, I think after Thanksgiving's good. My wife would have us doing Christmas year-round.
1: Before Halloween.
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Like middle of summer, uh, she'd, she'd have, like, she'd be baking gingerbread cookies and singing Christmas carols around the house. So, yeah. We
1: tend to hold off on Christmas decorations until like Thanksgiving Day, mm-hmm. sometimes the day after. Uh, Once we get all the Good Friday stuff. Now, here's the question, though. When does the cookhouse take down Christmas decorations? That is
0: a good question. Uh, I think our ideal, because there's the ideal and the actual, right? I think our ideal would be to do it right around New Year's. Okay. But the actual might drag a little further than that sometimes.
1: Is that right? Man, I have caught my wife Christmas Day taking things down. It's like, well, it's over. We've opened presents. Everything's coming down Christmas Day, or at least on the 26th. Okay. So, hey, you know, when I lived overseas in Spain, pushed things back and uh, would, uh, you know, celebrate Three Kings Day. That's right. Back into, you know, the first week or so of December. So really, when you think about the Christmas season, Christmas holidays, Christmas traditions, it's just around the world. People do things different. In the United States, we do things different. uh, And that can... You know, create a little bit of stress and strain sometimes for our missionaries. And so, in this episode of the Sent Life, we want to follow up with uh, the series that we've just moved from. We had a real uh, a lot of interest in how do we in the states care for those that we sent, and so we just thought this would be a good time to think about uh, leveraging the holiday season as a season for care for those that we sent. How do we do it? Why do we do it? And uh, really. Uh, at the end of the episode I man we want to hear from some who are on the field about what's some good ways to care for them
0: yeah that's right so for those of you guys who have been listening along for the last several episodes we we did that that kind of mini series this season on missionary care and it was so well received we got a lot of feedback from from listeners on that one and uh and so we thought why not have a bonus episode we shut that series down but christmas isn't excellent time for us to, to have conversations about missionary care. So that's what we're wanting to do right now is frame this conversation. And I think the, the way to start, perhaps, Scott, yep. is with a question about the holidays and serving as a missionary in general. Like, this is a time, uh, and you mentioned it uh, earlier in our opening, like a lot of people, you know, it's happy. There's a lot of joy in the season. Everybody gets excited about Christmas. But there's kind of this dark underbelly for a lot of people sure. to the idea of the holiday seasons. And it can Bring depression for some people. It can bring loneliness or sadness for some people. Well, why is the holiday season a particularly hard time for missionaries?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious question is: you're away from family. Yeah, certainly. Right? Everything that you uh, that you think when you think holiday kind of revolves around family. Whether it's the family table with the turkey and the dressing or the gumbo and the fried chicken or whatever it is that your family does, it's kind of you always have this image of the family. The other thing is there are the traditions, right? There's the giving of gifts, and there's the gathering together, uh, family. And I think that creates significant strain and stress. The other part of it is families often let us know that they're together.
0: Yeah, you know, You're
1: you're distant. I'll never forget being uh, when we lived on the mission field. uh, My family called us. They worked together for some reason. The time difference meant that it was kind of early evening our time, and they were at lunchtime. And, uh, you know, my family's from South Alabama, and for some reason, this season, they called and, hey, we're getting together, and there's fried fish, and there's hus puppies, and there's fried (laughs) shrimp. And I don't know what it was about that phone call, but that was probably the most, uh, most not encouraging phone call at a holiday season I ever got. It was like, for the next four or five months, I didn't think of anything except fried seafood that you can only get in South Alabama. So it was just a really... Uh, interesting moment, right?
0: Yeah, so there's this funny phenomenon that happens. If you've ever lived overseas for an extended period of time, you, you get this, because yep. you've experienced it. Um, frequently, the reason people say the holidays are hard might be because of, you know, a lost loved one. That's a good uh, point. Or uh, some form of isolation or some kind of loneliness, right? Well, the missionary absolutely experiences that. And in, in some sense, uh, they experience that. Of course, they may not have lost their family, but they don't get to be with their right. family. Right. And so some of that same kind of stuff can well up when you're at a distance, right? And so it makes it a harder thing. Another thing that is obviously context to context. It mm-hmm. varies wildly uh, concerning what I, I'm getting ready to say. But we, where I served as a missionary, mm-hmm. uh, I was in a, a primarily Muslim country. Right. I was pretty exclusively Muslim, in fact. And it was... Kind of off in the corner. It's you know when the Bible talks about the ends of the earth, it was it was over there. It was bush missionary work.
1: It wasn't there, but you could see. it. Uh, yeah,
0: I could see the end of the earth from where I was. It was just down the street, and uh, where we were, it was my first year uh, Christmas time when I was over. My first year, I will never forget the way it felt because it felt so weird to be in a place that was completely Christmas less, hmm. and so. Nobody was talking. I knew what time of year it was. Mm -hmm. Nobody was talking about it. There were no decorations anywhere. Um, It it wasn't a thing. It was a non-entity. And so when you can, on the internet or Facebook, see the holiday season is in full swing, and you walk out your door and it's like it doesn't exist, there's some weird cognitive dissonance on that kind of thing, too. So there's... If you're in that kind of place, this other level of it's not just that I'm distant from people. It's almost like it doesn't exist at all. And, and it's kind of hard to process that sometimes, right? Yeah,
1: you know, culture shock is the thing that missionaries always deal with. Yeah. Right. We think that culture shock is just for the beginning season of the missionary. Um, and culture shock is this, this phenomenon that we all run into uh, when things don't work the way they used to work and we're anticipating that they're going to work this way and they don't, and there's this jolt, this shock, this, this moment of, oh my goodness, where am I? And then the holiday season is that moment. And so missionaries who have been on the field even for, for years and they've overcome this initial different languages, different food, uh, different relationships, the holiday is another season of culture shock, culture stress that sets in. So it, it elevates at times in the life of the missionary this season of stress and strain. Uh, and really, it's an open opportunity for those of us in the states to serve and to minister to those that we've sent. Yeah. So if there's if there's anything that we get from this episode, it's not, let's feel sorry for the missionary. Because I don't know of a missionary no on the field who would say, yes, feel sorry for us right now. Right. Now, they might feel that way, but they're not saying that. What sure. I'm saying is, for those of us who are in the American church, this is a moment and a season to think, And God sent his son into the world to bring joy to the world, to bring salvation to the world. We've sent missionaries to bring salvation and joy to the world. How do we serve them in the Spirit, in the season of the holiday, the Christmas holiday, so that we can care for and encourage them as they continue to serve.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that brings us to another question I think is really important for us to consider. So if we talk about what makes it hard for a missionary during the holidays to be over there, but there's also something exactly about the holiday season, particularly Christmas, right. where I think it's really important and strategic time yep. to be a missionary in these contexts. What, what makes it an important time for
1: us? Well, the story of the gospel. Right. I mean, you know, for and I I lived in in different countries and traveled even at at holiday time um, overseas. And uh, when we lived in Europe, I mean, it was it was the exuberant over abundance of Christmas. Right. You had the Christmas markets and you had ice skating and you had uh, the festival that was outside. And it was this extreme uh, sense of 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 Christmas. And you thought, no, wait a minute. The rest of the year, you people don't even think about God. <laughs> you know, you don't think about anything, right. and all of a sudden, there's this almost glut of Christmas. Yeah. Then I've lived in countries where, like the where you were, um, not quite that extreme, but where because it was an Islamic context, there was a no reason for yep. the holiday. And and then we begin to notice that there were some people who did. Christmassy things, right? They Mm. might have some lights or they might have a tree. And you would say, why are you doing this? Well, we're trying to be like the West. And it gave us a chance to say, well, can I tell you the real reason for this? Exactly. Now, the problem is it's hard to connect the light and the tree to the gospel, but you can find a way. Um, But really there's this platform of why do we do Christmas? And if there's a void of Christmas or if there's just this smattering of things and people think they're being western or american or chic or whatever it is it gives us a chance to really explain no it's at this moment that god demonstrated his love in us that while we were still sinners christ died for us that god so loved the world that he gave his only son that's the story of christmas and you have all these things taking place that gives us the platform to explain the gospel, and to even at points to, se- to separate. It's not about America. It's not about the West. It's about the gospel. It's about who Jesus is.
0: Yeah, Christmas gives us this excellent opportunity on the field to clarify a lot of things, yep. doesn't it? Uh, so we have uh, a lot of traditions that we do that other people in the world— that. They know this kind of stuff happens to your point, mm-hmm. uh, even where I was, every now and then, if I was back in say the capital city, you'd be walking down a street around Christmas time and there'd be some scrawny looking little artificial tree <laughs> over in a corner that nobody even really knew why it was there, mm-hmm. what it was doing. They just knew that you know you're supposed to have one of these up at this time of year, and the opportunity there to kind of scratch the itch of curiosity because it's it's real. a lot of people are like what?" are y'all doing at this time of year? Why are you doing these things? And it's a tradition-rich experience that's full of symbolism right. with the way that we celebrate. And so being able to invite neighbors, mm-hmm. invite people into some of your holiday traditions on the field creates this beautiful opportunity for you to be able to share the gospel clearly, even in contexts sometimes where it's hard to share the gospel explicitly. Uh, Christian or the christmas rather it gives you this opportunity to be able to broach some of those conversations with people that might never be willing to have them with you anyways and so this is the season uh that we especially want our missionaries to feel energized and in a position to share
1: right i'll never forget a conversation i had now not exactly about christmas i'll never forget a conversation i had with a guy um in language school it was easter season mm-hmm. and uh uh he asked me he said what is this thing that is easter He said, in my country, we don't celebrate this. Mm. I don't know what this is. And so I got to talk to him about Easter and Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. And he was dumbfounded that an entire culture of people celebrated uh, a holiday about a guy who died and rose again. And that gave me a chance to explain the gospel. Well, then later, when when we celebrated Christmas, we just continued the conversation. Hey, come be a part of this with us. Um, and so I think you're right. It gives, us, it gives us a chance. So what we have now, Keelan, we've, we've sort of described uh, kind of a double-edged sword right here, right? Mm-hmm. On the one hand, there's this holiday season that's taking place for those that we've sent, which is an evangelism, ministry-rich moment. Yes. The other side of that is because of the traditions and because of our families and because we are those who've, who've left home, it's also a moment for stress. hmm for loneliness, uh, difficulty. Um, it's a moment of of, 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 of quite you know, a significant season of of just struggle for some missionaries. So how do we then balance? Because we as the church here sent them. We pray for them. We care for them. So now what is the opportunity at this season to think about caring for those that we've sent?
0: Right. And so this is kind of the focal point of the episode, sure. right? How do we take all of the things that we've discussed in these previous episodes about missionary care and realize that right now is an excellent time for a church to really begin leaning into uh, a lot of the practical steps that we've we've talked about. Right. Uh, and we've shared a bunch of stuff so right. far, right? We've talked about the need to have advocacy teams. Mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, a lot of the different ways that these teams can take care of missionaries, both kind of pre-going, mm-hmm. while they're on the field, post-field. Well, what we're really talking about right now is that on-the-field time, yep. what are some of the opportunities, the specific things you could do that would be of value and benefit to them?
1: Yeah, in some ways, it's not really being overly creative right now. Right. You know, it's some, somehow you're saying to those that you sent, we know that you're there. Yeah. We remember you. So simple things, right? Cards, letters. Everybody else gets Christmas cards. Why are we not sending Christmas cards to those who are overseas? You know, everybody else gets gifts. Why not send gifts to yeah. those who are overseas? Now, be careful when you send gifts. I had one time got some gifts from a church, and the way that it was packaged and the way that it was put together ended up costing us a bunch of money to get it out of right. customs. So we have to be careful how we how we take care of that but sort of some simple things sure. that that just indicates hey we know that this is a season where we as a church leverage our relationship with you or build our relationship with you to care for those that we've sent.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. There's some I think simple and less is more is yeah. often often the right uh, approach at a particular time of year like this. So, some of the small steps like it's very easy at this point for you to actually communicate and reach out to basically anybody in the world through the internet. Uh, And there are a lot of ways to use that to incorporate and remind people, uh, they're not forgotten. And a lot of this is giving, uh, just a voice to that, I think is one of the things that we would encourage people to do. Um, but I think we've also got an opportunity on this podcast Mm -hmm. to do something fairly unique as well. So, A number of our listeners are, in fact, on the field as missionaries. We have people all over the world who listen to this podcast. And so what we want to do is give them a voice uh, for this one. And right now we want to say, hey, if you're listening to this, it's Christmas time, and you're in that very important season, we remember. like We're glad you're there. Thank you for what you're doing. Know you're being prayed for. Uh, And so hear that from us. In addition to that, though— We would love to hear from some of you, our listeners, about specific things that you think would be of benefit for you from a field perspective. So, from the field, what are those things?
1: Yeah, we would like you to hit us up on our social media so you can send us a message by email, uh, on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Any way that you would reach out to us and just say, these are ways that churches have in the past cared for us, done things for us. And we want to create a series of social media posts over the the remainder of this Christmas season, the the 12 days of Christmas or whatever else it might be. That we want to create some social media posts that are actually voices from the field, from missionaries, from those serving uh, uh, internationally. Perhaps if you are a North American missionary, you're away from home as well during this season, send us some ideas. And we want to post these that will be reminders or or will be uh, key points that Christians churches here can see how they might be able to care for you and for others like you. So we're really depending on those of you who are listening to say to us, this works, this is good. We're excited about this.
0: Yeah. And there's two or three things that I want to note out as far as this one's concerned. First, uh, as Scott mentioned, uh, if you've got a An instance where your church or or someone that you're partnering with did something, you're like, that was great, and other churches should know to do that too. You send that in to us. If it's an idea, maybe a church hasn't done it, but you've thought, oh, I would love for somebody to do this. This is a the kind of thing that would be doable uh, and very meaningful for me in my context, shoot that out to us as well. And if you're listening and not a missionary. Let's say you're here in the States, you're in a local church, you're a missions pastor, you're leadership, uh, or you're just somebody that loves missions and listens to us on a regular basis. Uh, What we're asking you to do is start paying attention to our social media over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully you'll see some good opportunities, some good examples of things that we can do to care for our missionaries well.
1: That's right. Whatever you do this Christmas season, whatever your traditions are, our hope for you Uh, is that you really do have a moment where you can be with friends and family, Uh, you can celebrate whatever your holiday traditions are, Uh, but also you have a moment to reflect and remember uh, that we do have a God who loved us so much that he gave his only son and that we're surrounded by people, men and women and boys and girls, who don't know that story. And so if you have a chance this holiday season, find someone Uh, that you can minister the gospel to, share the gospel with. We hope you have a great Christmas. We look forward to hearing, uh, for you hearing from us um, after the holiday season. And Keelan, until then, Merry Christmas to the cooks.
0: And Merry Christmas to the Hildreths. Thank you.
1: Hey, welcome back uh, to our segment out of the Tower, where each week we sit down with uh, Dr. George Robinson and we just talk about you know, how do we live practically on mission where God's place does. We try to really give some practical handles, um, really kind uh, to boil down uh, some of the complex things we teach on campus into some more bite-sized chunks. And so this, this season, we've been really equipping people to be church planters. So uh, George, what's next in our process? Yeah, so we've used as the uh, framework, Dr. Hildreth, the Uh, core missionary
3: tasks the IMB has articulated, entry, evangelism, disciple-making, gathering together, leadership development, partnership, and exit. And so we've worked our way through various tools and training uh, mechanisms in order to get at that. This week we're going to be talking through a disciple-making strategy called The Basic Commands of Jesus. All right, let's hear them. So yeah, I was mentored by uh, a man who just recently went to be with the Lord, Dr. George Patterson. Um, in my doctoral studies. And one of the things that really struck me about him is that he would take really profound concepts and uh, be able to articulate them in a simple reproducible way. Mm. And where he learned that was when he himself served on the mission field in uh, the country of Honduras for about 30 years. Um, He ended up working with semi-literate mountain pastors in Honduras. And they asked him the question one time, uh, you know, the Great Commission says we should teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And then one of the the pastor said, but at the end of John's gospel, he says, if everything Jesus taught were written down into books, the whole world couldn't contain the knowledge. Right. <laughs> yeah. So how do we do that? And so Dr. Patterson said, well, let's open our Bibles and let's go through the four Gospels and let's write down every single command. Wow. Do this or don't do that, right? And so as they went through all four Gospels and wrote down those commands, uh, they found that there were close to 300 Mm. of those imperative commands, but there was a lot of repetition. And these semi-literate, untrained mountain pastors began to— put those things into groups with one another, and oh. they came up with the basic commands of Jesus. It's not everything Jesus taught, but here's the ba- here are the basic commands. Okay. Repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit. That's one command, wow. right? Wow, okay. Because, honestly, when we talk about justification, it involves repentance, right. faith, and God has promised to right. give us the Spirit. So repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit. The second is be baptized, right? Mm. And so... Um, very uh, early on in the the history of the church, Peter proclaims the message of the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, he says, Repent and Be be baptized, right? So repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit. Be baptized, celebrate the Lord's Supper, and worship God. And so I don't uh, separate those two. I actually usually teach those together because the Lord's Supper initially in the church was the center of the service, right? Mm -hmm. It's a rearticulation of the gospel that we should go through every time that we gather together in order to, to express our ongoing need for what Christ has done. Uh, The fourth is to love God and to love others. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Jesus said the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, um, which means that it's not disconnected from uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Uh, the next one is to pray at all times for all things. You mm-hmm. think through all of the times Jesus taught on prayer in uh, the, the four gospels mm-hmm. pray for those who persecute you, pray for your enemies, pray for laborers mm-hmm. for the harvest. So the idea is to consistently pray for all things mm-hmm. at all times, wow. like to, to establish a life of, of rhythmed prayer. The next one is to give generously of your time, talent, and treasure. And so generosity is the heartbeat. Um, You know, a life that is attuned to God and right relationship with God is going to be a generous life, uh, not just with our money, but with our our time, Mm -hmm. which is our most precious resource and uh, precious resource and with our talents, Mm -hmm. uh, the skills that God has given to us. And then finally, uh, the last one is to make disciples by teaching others to obey. Great. So let me work back through those real quick. Repent, believe and receive the Holy Spirit. Be baptized. Celebrate the Lord's Supper and worship God. Love God and love others. Pray at all times for all things. Give generously of time, talent, and treasure, and make disciples by teaching others to obey. Those are the seven basic commands of Jesus. It's not everything, but man, if you can get a brand new believer into the Scriptures and to discover those commands— And how to live in relationship with God as a follower of Jesus and a fisher for men. You've gone a long way as a disciple
1: maker. What a great concept! Is take these down and begin to work those as your discipleship uh, program. Yeah. So.
3: So basically, those kind of the tail end of the story. Those Mm. semi-literate pastors go back and begin to teach through the New Testament, and they trained their illiterate church members Mm. to memorize those seven commands. And those seven commands became like hooks on which to hang knowledge. And every time they preached, one of the application questions was, which, if any, of the basic commands were highlighted in Mm. this text? And they would begin to pile Scripture onto those hooks. And so you've got these illiterate people in the mountain churches in Honduras that perhaps knew as much or more about following Jesus than some people who've
1: got bookshelves full of books. What a great point. Great point. Thanks for sharing that with us. You bet.